And for most people in 2018, when they hear this verse, our immediate thought goes to, how does God give me temporary strength in these difficult situations? How does God make me a better athlete? How does God make me run faster? Make me jump higher? I recently started CrossFit because my doctor told me I was dead. I was like, I'm not dead. He said, you kind of are. So I started to go to this thing called CrossFit. If you are unfamiliar with CrossFit, CrossFit is like a dungeon, an American Ninja Warrior had a baby. And you walk in and they begin to command you to do things and it's, it's always strange. The first day that I walked in, there was a man who had climbed a rope to the top of, of the ceiling. And I'm just staring at him, thinking to myself, will someone have to help him down? And then another gentleman in the room was walking across the floor on his hands. And I looked at the, this coach who I just introduced myself to and just asked, am I supposed to do that today or when's this going to happen? When's my hand walking take place? When do I turn into a gorilla? <laughs> the other day they were giving me my directions and uh, they were explaining one of the exercises for me and, and they said, you're going to do what we call carrying the groceries. So I just immediately started yelling, Shepherd, Charlie! <laughs> he then handed me a lot of weight and made me walk across the parking lot. I think the endurance you build is really, there, there's a, a pet storage unit on the back of the place where, where they will, boarding, not storage, you don't store pets. <laughs> Not a pet person, people, especially cat. We should store cats, totally cat. Have you met a cat? Uh, but it's back there where they'll board your pets for a few days. And, and the, the most difficult exercise I've done so far is when he made me run. And there's a man standing back there smoking a cigarette. And I'm having to run through this fog back and forth. Uh, so what I've learned, though, is though my mindset in regard to this exercise was I'm going to go in there and they're going to make me lift heavy weights, and that's kind of part of it. Uh, but what I've seen more than that is it's really about endurance. How am I going to get from here to there? How am I going to learn to live in the world that I'm in and deal with everything that comes when you're a father of 11 children... How am I going to do these things day to day if I'm not preparing myself for that? Paul, in one place, in Timothy, he talks to Timothy and says, Physical training is good, but training in godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So when we talk as a body of believers about these passages that have historically been misused, we're not doing this to beat you down. Or to make you feel bad about the way that your FCA instructor taught you to understand the Bible. We're not going through these things so that we can spit on your understanding of God's plan. We just want our people as best we can to understand the Bible for what it is and for what God's intent for the Bible is. Because the Bible can never say what it never said. And there are times where we kind of lean into that. 
making the Bible fit our situations when we should be making our lives fit the situations of the Bible. So we get together every Sunday and we gather and we worship and we grow together as a body of believers as we push you into homes and small groups and life groups with what we call them so that we can walk through this together and understand that the way that we're hitting these passages isn't bad. Just God has a better way. It's a fuller way for us to understand this. So if you've got your Bibles, you see Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength or who strengthens me. Some other translations say it a little bit differently. King James, King Jimmy says to us, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The message... Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. NIV reads this, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The Kingdom New Testament, translated by uh, Nicholas Thomas Wright, my favorite Anglican, him and C.S. Lewis, but C.S. Lewis is dead. He's my favorite living Anglican. says this, I have strength for everything in the one who gives me power. But we've made this about bench pressing. Does God have more to say to us than that? Drop back to Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, because the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence... If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and what you have received and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace, he'll be with you. Verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I don't know if you've ever met a chipper person. A person who just always seems to have a positive outlook. When we look at this passage, that's kind of what we get with Paul because Paul is in prison. And the reason that he's in prison is very interesting. It's because he would not greet people the way that Rome said you should greet people. He would not say hello to other Roman citizens the way that they believed you should say hello. Greetings are interesting. If you're an old school television watcher, you remember when the Fonz said, Hey! Or when Joey Tribbiani on Friends would meet a young lady, and he would say, How you doing? Maybe you remember Newhart. When Larry would introduce himself, and he would say, Hi, I'm Larry. This is my brother Daryl. And my other brother Daryl. 
We dealt with a greeting in our family the other day. We were at Ikea because we like life-size puzzles <laughs> and mysteries. Like, why do they sell meatballs? <laughs> do you think they've ever lost a kid in that ball pit? <laughs> or where do you think this piece is supposed to go? We met a little boy, and he spoke Spanish, and he was very welcoming to my children. He sees Shepard from afar and says, Hola, amigo! And Shepard says, Hola, amigo! And runs to him. <laughs> Charlie, he says, Hola, amigo! And Charlie says, Hola, amigo! And he ran to him. He said, Denoli, Hola, amigo! And she said, She said, Mama, he said, Hola, amigo! And she ran to him. He looked at Alder and said, Hola, amigo! Now, altar's the point of all, like, affection at our house. Everyone loves down. You know what I'm saying? Like, even the older ones, they love the little one. But all of his people have just flung to the, have just clung to this other child. And Alder replies to this kid, hola amigo, not with the joyful hola amigo. He said, hola, meaning butt face. <laughs> I went and hid under an unfinished table. <laughs> the greeting in Rome. <sighs> My wife's with the children today. If y'all could not tell her about that, that'd be cool. <laughs> the greeting in Rome was Caesar is Lord. <laughs> Hear this 21st century church people. Paul's not in prison because he's handing out evangelical tracts. He's not in prison because he's inviting people to church. He's not in prison for telling people how to go to heaven when they die. Paul's in prison not that any of those are bad things. He's in prison because he has chosen to stand in complete opposition to everything that Rome is. Because he will not say that their king is God. So when we look at Philippians 4, we see that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength or who strengthens us or who strengtheneth us. Because God has shown us how to do certain things. Here's what we got. If you're a note taker, this is in your, in your paperwork, but in your worship guide. If you just like to write things down or memorize things I say, do, do your thing. Uh, the strength the Christian receives from the Lord, it is timeless rather than trite. So God's strength that he gives the believer is something that is not bound by points in history. And it is not limited to scenarios where we are calling upon some otherworldly ability that is not physically part of who we are. 
notice what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This is in a world where they celebrate their cities and their pagan gods as well as their emperor who they view as God with festivals and games and shows. And Paul is saying to a church after being imprisoned, we should celebrate our God in these ways. Rejoice in the Lord always. He's in prison. And Paul is telling us, rejoice. He even says this, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. So you're going to come into contact with people whose personalities and the way that their lives are, are molded, they're molded differently than you, and they're going to celebrate differently than you, but you should be reasonable in front of them. There should be something about the life of the one who follows Jesus that says that our rejoicing is not something that is completely connected and only connected to when things are going our way. If we make this passage about God giving us strength in moments, what happens when we don't get that physical burst? One of my dear friends he played Division One college football. He played in the NFL. We've got a lot in common. <laughs> and he was a, a fullback, and he's a pastor now. And as a fullback, he, he would tell me about being at the NFL Combine and preparing to run the 40-yard dash. Now, the 40-yard dash is a really big deal because they want to know how you run in straight lines because people are always running in straight lines in NFL games. And Jason would tell you that he would just begin to quote Philippians 4.13 as he stood there before takeoff. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is very young in his faith. We wouldn't let him preach when he was at this age. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then he would take off because he believed, if he said this enough, he could run a 40-yard dash in 4.3 seconds. You don't do that when you're Jason Cook size. Nobody does that. The guys in the NFL who've done that, they are rare. And they're definitely not monsters. Paul, in this passage, is talking to us not about rejoicing when God gets us to the other side of what we want to see happen. Rejoice in the Lord always means that we know the God who we believe in, who is for us, and who has revealed himself to us in Jesus, that the joy that he offers us is one that we are in over and over and over. And even though our physical abilities may fail, our God does not. Six, do not be anxious about anything. This is coming after me, coming after lots of us. Anxiety is one of the grand struggles uh, of my life. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Why in the world would Paul be talking to a people about anxiety? 
Because he's living among people who are having the God that we know as Jesus and these Roman gods put side by side. And these Roman gods were quick to punish and because of their quick quickness to punish in their mythology, anxiety overrode the lives of so many of these people. The God Paul worships, and that I hope that you worship, doesn't cause us to avoid suffering. He promises to be with us in the middle of it and to answer our prayers about anything. Doesn't mean we get the answer we want. Notice the breakdown of how he tells us to pray. Uh, He says this, that in everything by prayer, conversation with God, supplication, it is next level begging God to move. And with gratitude, let your requests be made known to the Lord. Now, here's the deal. I think we sort of kind of get thanksgiving because of pilgrims. And I think that honestly, we understand in some small way what prayer is because it's been modeled for us. And we've seen it and we've done it in church. Though I would say prayer is not you listening with your eyes closed as I talk with my eyes closed. Prayer is us talking to God about what we would have him to do but the part where we miss is supplication this is us saying this is God saying to us through Paul you should beg me to move how often do you beg God to move what are we begging God to do Are you begging God to move in the hearts of your neighbors? You pray for them, right? Are you begging God to give you open doors of conversation with them to say, hey, I know that for you, Caesar is Lord because that's kind of how everyone lives. Don't have that conversation. It'd be super weird if you start talking about Caesar with them and you're not there with a $5 pizza. But for most of us, we live as if the cultural climate of our day is our God. And you have been placed as a beacon of hope who rejoices in the Lord always to say that he is not. So we either choose to do that Choose. Hear me, Reformed friends. Choosing is a very present concept in the Scriptures. You choose to do things. And in light of God's providence, you choose to do things because God has given us the ability to. Let your... The passage says that we should, in everything, with prayer and supplication, present our request to the Lord in everything there's nothing too silly for you to talk to God about and here's why and I love this because if it's too silly for you to talk to God about that means that there are areas and avenues of our lives where we've not invited him to take part the strength of the Lord is timeless rather than trite 
Nothing's too silly. Nothing's beyond his care. We also see this, verses 8 through 10. The strength the Christian receives from the Lord is focused on faithfulness. Again, the strength the Christian receives from the Lord is focused on faithfulness. These are, the second is, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. What's the problem with that? Nothing in our lives conditions our minds to work that way. Have you watched television? Have you looked at what is the, the lead stories on the news feed on your phone? Not positive things. And God says, hey, you think on this, you think on this, you think on this, you think on this. It, it, the concept that we see in, it worded it differently in scripture, you take your thoughts captive. Because if you do not take your thoughts captive, that's where anxiety creeps in and it begins to imprison you. You are either taking those captive or they take you captive. Paul says this, verse 9, What you have learned and received in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. What? Who has the audacity to say that? How many of you, if you met someone and you've known them for five weeks, as someone who, you tell me, you gather together and you worship Jesus every week and you're growing in your relationship with Jesus and that you're, you're going to live for Jesus all, I don't think any of you are going to tell me, I'm not going to live for Jesus. But how many of you, after meeting someone and spending four to five weeks with them, could look at them and say, hey, um, you know what you've seen me do? Just do that. Most of us can't stay away from being a doofus on the internet. <coughs> Strength is the peace of God given to him by the God of peace. You see that sandwich that Paul creates for us. I don't know if sandwiches were in the Bible, but he makes one. Verse 7, you see peace of God. Verse 9, you see God of peace. Do you see that? Raise your hand if you see that. All right, we're good. Paul's saying to us, if you get to know one, you'll have the other. Get to know God, you'll have his peace. I grew up in the 80s, and the focus of so many sermons and so many worship gatherings at my very traditional Baptist church was conversion. We kept trying to convert the same people every week. So either we weren't, we weren't converting well or our, our focus was off. And the idea of like leaning into biblical discipleship was something we just kind of missed. I'm not judging. It was the 80s. I've seen the, like photos of hair. It was a terrible time. But us getting to know the Lord and one another for the Lord's sake, it's eternally significant. So much of the Christian faith 
for many of us, our minds are caught up in what the show will be. And what God has called every one of us to is the grind. I'm going to come after you, Jesus, today. I'm going to come after you, Jesus, today. And I'm going to beg you to remind me you're with me because if you don't remind me you're with me, I will definitely live like you're not. Strength of the Lord is focused on faithfulness. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right or pure, think on those things. We also see these two things. We've gone from the passive to the active. God's, God's strength is, or the first two things we see, God's strength provides certain things for us too. The strength of the Lord provides for us supernatural support. But this isn't about Him making me be able to be Superman or to lift a bus. This is about God's presence in the middle of my mess letting me know that I'm not alone. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunities. Here's the thing. The Philippians have sent Paul money. And most believe it's a pretty large chunk of money. Otherwise, they would have not have risked going to deliver it to him in prison. And Paul lets them know two things when he receives their money. Because they don't have Venmo. How grateful he is for them. Number one. But the more important thing is how good God has been to him. Paul is saying to this church... God, he's not left me. He is for me. And I'm going to lean into that. Verse 12. Paul says this. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of, be, of, of facing plenty and, and, and hunger, abundance and need. Truthful with you, I'm not into half of that stuff. I don't like to be hungry. I like to have things. But the Lord is providing consistent contentment for Paul. And the goal of our focused hearts as people who want to know the God of peace, who gives the peace of God, who find that to be our strength, is that we would find our peace in the same place. We find our strength in the same place. Because what Paul is saying is, I have a strength, but it's not my allegiance to Rome. In declaring that Caesar is Lord, you're saying that in Caesar you find peace and joy and strength. The Pax Romana even affirmed this. Rome is their God. And here are the things they would say about their Roman leader. A man named the royal poet Virgil has written these things down about 
Augustus Caesar. These are direct quotes from Virgil about him. The one who is to come will be the divine king of salvation for whom mankind has waited. Paul said, I can't say that. He will annihilate the evil of the past and he will free the people from unceasing fear. Paul, I can't say that. He will establish a universal empire of peace and will lead in the golden age for the blessing of a renewed humanity. Nope, can't say that. Caesar is the son of God. They were asked to say that. Mm -mm, can't say that. Salvation is to be found in none other save Augustus. Mm -mm, can't say that. Augustus is reigning in the fullness of his glory. The entire empire resounds with the sounds of the Advent proclamation. I can't say that. What's this have to do with us in 2018? Well, I don't know who your Caesar happens to be. For some of us, it's nationalism. For others, it's the Republican Party. For some of us, it's the idea of what church used to be. But what Paul has said to us is the focus of every follower of Jesus can't be anything other than Jesus. You can't add to who he is. You lean your lives into him. We can't say these things. Now, most of us are not going to say these things aloud, but we will say them subconsciously if it's out of place and we are missing the God of peace who gives the peace of God. 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So Paul has just said, I am locked up. Many believe if he would just de deny God and deny Jesus, they'd let him go. But he says, I can do all of this. It's a short-sighted view of this verse for us to simply say, Let's plaster it everywhere. But Chad, it says all. What's it mean? Because all means all. Let's imagine that I'm leaving church today because I will. I don't have a cot here. And I look at Hope. That's my wife. In the children's wing. You can't tell her what I said earlier. And I look at her and tell her that I'm going to grab the kids. And she asked me the question, well, do you have all the kids? Well, yeah, I got all the kids. Shepard, Charlie, Noli, Alder. I have all the kids. But I don't have all the kids. You know what kids I don't have? I don't have the Rupley kids. I don't have the Connor kids. Between the Spates and the Kears, there are like 47 kids. I don't have all of them. I don't have the Calhoun kids. The Smith kids are, are spread out all over Texas. I don't want to take any other kid that needs to ride in a car seat. I have all of the kids... But that all is focused on a very particular place. I don't have the Van Essen kids. I have all the kids. 
But I don't have all the kids. Paul has just written to us and he has said, real strength from here. The strength to be faithful. The strength to find joy. The strength, the strength to kill your anxiety. The, the strength to endure. The strength to be punished. The strength to be brought low. The strength to be brought high. The strength to deal with difficulty. The strength to pray about the things that you don't want to pray about. The strength of God is here. And he is saying, hey, I can do all things. But his all is very clear. How clear is your all in the way that you understand this passage? Our hope is that we will see this passage and others like it as less trite than they have been treated. And that they will show Jesus more. Because if we are not interpreting the Bible to show Jesus, then we're not interpreting the Bible. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What's on your list of alls that you are struggling to do right now? The strength comes from Jesus, what he's done for us on the cross, what he's done for us and declared in the resurrection. We're going to celebrate that this morning. I you to bow your heads. The band's going to sing in a few moments. But even now, you're thinking through what your alls are, I would hope. What, have, what has God called me to do that I'm not doing? So, just for the next few seconds, 30, 45 seconds, can you just pray about what your all is? What would God have you to do that you are overlooking?